0: Every one of us have things in life that we cling to. I remember when the children were younger, our children, they each had objects that they were attached to. Oddly enough, I remember that Justin's favorite toy was a plastic robot by the name of Buzz Lightyear. When Buzz went to infinity and beyond, uh, when Buzz Lightyear was buzzing about our house, he was almost as big as Justin. And uh, Justin would take Buzz Lightyear to bed with him. Buzz Lightyear would be hanging out right there and under the, you know, beside him on the pillow. And and, uh, that was just kind of his thing. Pixar, the the ironic thing about it all was that the movie Toy Story, Pixar's most popular animated film, flips the script about the things in life that mean much to us and animates what our toys would be like if they came to life. It was uh so it was kind of funny when you would watch the video cuz it's almost like Justin would project this animated ability on his toy and and it became something that he he clung to. I remember him running him through the house with Buzz Lightyear saying to Infinity and Beyond. He had a little four-wheeled uh, bicycle or a little 4 wheeled cart that had a little steering wheel on it and he would zip through the the house like taking Kathy off her feet almost and he'd he he could steer it. He was just a few years old, and he'd steer it all the way around. He'd zip down the hallway into the living room, do a big loop about the coffee table, come back up and down the hall into the kitchen, into the back room, and then zip back and forth through the house. It was it was just I remember that. But his toy was a, a it was something that he he clung to. It was just things that we cling to. Things that I remember with with Kristen. It was it wasn't uh, some hard plastic toy. It was a lot softer. It was it was a quilted blanket. The blanket was. One that was handmade, and it didn't begin with her. It actually began with Kathy. Kathy received it from her grandmother, Blanche Tracy. It was handmade. It was a quilt that Kathy brought with her into our marriage. Didn't bring much else. We didn't have anything else. <laughs> but she brought that quilt with her. I remember early in our relationship, it was there. Now, I made about six mistakes on Sunday. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Carry on. However, since Kristen became a little bit older, she gave it to Kristen when she was just just a kid. And it became uh, something that Kristen clung to. It was the thing that she would cling to. It it became an international blanket. Um, It got a new name. Its new name was Patchy. This is Patchy here on the picture behind you. That's, that's uh, current, up-to-date, as of this afternoon, photo of Patchy. Patchy the quilt. It's made its way um, to almost all of our family vacations. Patchy made its way all the way to Spain on a Youth On Missions trip. Made its way to Hawaii for Kristen's honeymoon. And now it's securely located in her new home in Indiana. It's, it's more than just a quilt or a bl- blanket. It's a, as a matter of fact, the people that help us figure out how we think call it a security blanket. I don't know if you have a favorite blanket or a pillow or a plush toy from your childhood. And all the men are shaking their head no. And, but if you do, don't fear. You're in good company. As a matter of fact, if you'll do a little digging online, you can find that there are those that examine the data that drives our lives. There's some people called live science, and they help us figure out some of the things that are physically connected to us. Scientists call these things that we cling to connected to our belief in essentialism. Before you rule yourself out of the equation because you, you don't run around every day with a blanket like Linus, Let's unpack this just a little bit more. Essentialism is why we don't feel the same way about replacing a lost object, whether, now here's where it may ring home, if you lost your wedding band. If someone just said, well, I'll get you another one, it wouldn't mean the same thing to you. Now, it may be constructed of the same materials, it may be identical in design, it may have the same weight, same carat, it may may be identical in every way, but you knowing that it's not the wedding band that you exchanged on your wedding day doesn't have the same sense of feeling. It, you, you can't. You have a difficulty exchanging the emotional attachment that you have for it. And some of the men are still kind of shaking their head. Let me, let me tell you, maybe another one. Maybe it's a vehicle that you've had for a long time. We have a vehicle in our family. It's called Old Blue. Old Blue's not worth fixing. But I recently spent a Saturday morning underneath it replacing the starter because. Maybe I'm a little attached, Old Blue. I don't know. But that's the reason why some of us hang on to those childhood toys or objects. They hold an emotion of value to us. And it's hard to put into words the feeling that we have. It exceeds the physical nature of the object all by itself. Let's, let's move into our world a little bit. Let's think about your parents that maybe sold your childhood home. Or your dad that sold that car that's been in the family for 30 or 40 years. If I think about my family in particular, there's a patch of ground. It doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody else. It's not worth a whole lot by most standards. It's on the Kingston Peninsula. But for me, it's where my grandparents lived. It's where my dad was raised. It's where my father hunts and where we have our family cottage. It's worth more to me than its value. There's an emotional attachment. I, I, I'm clinging to that furthermore, my daughter and I aren't alone in our affection for what psychologists call a security or a transitional object. These are objects that people feel a bond with despite the fact that the relationship is by definition one-sided. The blanket cannot do one thing for my daughter, nor can the land for me. However, there is an emotional connection to it. We get connected to things in our life that can never do anything for us. There are people that are connected to items and you are emotionally contracted to them. Our young people these days, they actually have a new term. They get connected to their phones because it's their point of connection. I've got mine with me at the pulpit. They have a term now for the fear of being without your phone, it's called nomophobia. The fear of being without a mobile phone and it's amazing that when we begin to uh, just kind of look at all these objects that connect us emotionally to a sense of safety to a sense of community a sense of family security but but over and over again we realize that they can't give back to us and there are things and and you know I, I, we're going somewhere tonight just hang with me for a little little while we're just introducing the subject but we get connected to stuff that can never do anything for us spiritually. We get connected to our routines that have trapped us and locked us into places spiritually that we shouldn't or couldn't or wouldn't be if, God, uh, if we heard the voice of God calling us out of that place but because it's what we've always done, it's become a safe place for us. It's allowed us to exist, but I I feel a call in the Holy Ghost to come a little further. I I feel a call in the Holy Ghost to kind of move into a brand new place, And, and I'm encouraged as I examine these times in scriptures that when people were willing to let go of their security blanket, when people were willing to release themselves from the strongholds that had them held back, God did some amazing miracles, and God did some wonderful works for individuals. They moved, into a brand new level a brand new authority a brand new opportunity and I feel that call in the Holy Ghost is coming but it's going to take us letting go emotionally of some things that are holding us back there's a potential in the Holy Ghost that's in the room if we're willing to release ourselves from the things that have held us back maybe it got us to where we are but it was just staging God intended for us to get it here but he doesn't intend for us to stay there with it it's to move it out of the way so he can do the work that he wants to do in us if you were to go into the chapel tonight and I encourage you to after if they're going to be trying to tear up some of the old flooring and and, and if you were to go in there right now you'd find staging on three sides of the room there's staging at the front there's staging at the left there's baker, baker staging around that's just to help us construct what needs to be accomplished the staging isn't intended for it to be there when we're done None of us intend for that staging. Can I just tell you that God has allowed some things in our life to get us where we are, but we've become so comfortable with that, and we've become so locked into that location or that place that we've, we've restricted the growth that God wants to take us into. God's intending for us to eat strong meat. I've had this seed of a sermon in my phone for the the past few weeks, and and it's this title, The Leftovers of an Encounter with Christ. Because sometimes we hold so tight to the things that we're emotionally connected to that we aren't willing to release it and watch what God does instead. The boy's lunch in John 6 and 9 was all that he had. Yet somehow in this encounter, the boy is willing to give it away. It's all that he's got. There's a crowd around him. Nobody else brought food except for the boy. He could see the, <clears throat> the lack in everybody else's life. And say, well, I'm going to hold on to this. But somehow he's willing to see that if he just releases himself from that thing, that all of a sudden God can do a miracle. And when he passed the disciples, five loaves and two fishes, he watches as 5,000 are fed. But that's not even the end of the story. You can see Jesus almost smiling through the scripture when he asks his disciples to collect the leftovers. It's, It's recorded in all four of the gospels, this miracle. The boy is dragging 12 baskets of food home and everybody had to be asking, where did you get all of the food? And the answer is just that when I was willing to release what I had in my hand, God did the miraculous with what I gave him. When I was willing to let go, God brought me into a brand new level, a brand new opportunity, a brand new place of the miraculous. That's what happened when I let go of the thing that I was holding on to the tightest. I'm sure that he was emotionally connected to it. His dad earned it. His mother packed it. He brought it. He had been connected to it. But he had to let go. And when he let go of it, the leftovers was far greater than what he ever had in the beginning. There's always leftovers. There's always leftovers in Scripture. There's a pile of grave clothes outside of a tomb with Lazarus' name on it because Jesus called him to come forth. He's still the resurrection and the life. But, you know, there's just those leftovers that got left behind in Scripture. And it's representative of the miracle that God wants to do in all of us. It's John chapter 5. There's a sheep market, a pool, and five porches. There's an angel there sometimes, and there's sick people there all the time. John 5 and 3 says that a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, they're all waiting for a moving of the water. There's a crippled man that gets Jesus' attention and moves him with compassion. This man knows what it's like to be limited. He knows what it's like to be let down and be left alone. He said, I have no man to put me in the water. It says that Jesus saw him lie and he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Can I can I just stir us a little bit tonight and say there's some of us that have been a long time in the case that we're in right now. We've been a long time in the position that we're in right now, spiritually, emotionally. We've been stuck there. We we just kinda we've been spinning on the ice of the spirit. We just can't get out. Anybody get stuck in the last couple of days? We just we just feel like, well, this must be my lot in life, and and if you think through the scripture, he'd been there now a long time. In that case, he got comfortable with that location. I'm sure that he had his place on the porch that he was used to. He had his his friends that he got accustomed to seeing every single day. He, I'm sure that his routine was was so rigid that he he knew exactly when he would get there, and he he knew exactly when he would be leaving. And I think just after a while, the opportunity was eclipsed by the routine and what was what had been given to him he had been there such a long time but the question still comes to him wilt thou be made whole do you really want? I, I know you've been here a long time. I, I know it's been a while since you got to the stirring of the water. Everybody else seems to be getting the promise that you wish was yours. You watched the newcomer come and get in the pool and walk away with healing. You watched the newcomer come and leave with the miracle that should have been yours. You've been in this way a long time, but that doesn't mean that you're lost. It doesn't mean that God's plan isn't done. You're just uh, there's a call in the Holy Ghost that's coming tonight. Will you be? Made? whole I'm wondering if somebody would just hear the Holy Ghost calling it's time it's my time it's my season 2020 look out here I come There's a crippled man that gets Jesus' attention. He, he, he answers him, sir, I have no man. I, I've got nobody. The water's troubled. The angel's here. We're in the right location, but it's just time after time. It's season after season. It's season. It's week after week, month after month, over and over. Same thing over and over again. Somebody gets there before me. But Jesus says unto him, rise Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and he took up his bed and walked there's, there's a leftover in that situation that bed had become his security blanket that bed had become his, his emotional connection to, to who he was it had become maybe his identity it's the way that everybody knew him everybody just expected him to be the way that he had always been but Jesus looked past into the heart of the man he, he reminded him of, of that opportunity that existed he reminded him of the reason why he was still there the reason why he came in the first place is the reason and that he still wanted to come that day. Maybe he just got used to the routine. Maybe he just got used to the moments over and over and over again. But he reminded him of why he came in the first place. Will you be made whole? I don't know if you're part way on the journey of God doing a miracle in your life, but don't stop there. It may be a while. You may have been in this way a long while, but I'm encouraging you to hear the call on the Holy Ghost tonight. It's coming in 2020. Will you be made whole? Come on, let's move into a a brand new level let's move into a brand new opportunity let's move into a brand new location of ministry and a brand new opportunity of evangelism God wants to take us independently individually and corporately into a brand new place with him but we've got to be willing to let go it's the leftovers that are left if we do it's worth it the bed he gets to take up that bed and he walks out a different way than he came in I'm certain that the most awesome and fearful thing was to take up his bed. He had to act on this encounter with Christ. He had to act on the command that was given. Come on. Take up your bed and walk. It may not come from the voice that he had, had expected. He, he, he was waiting for the angel in the pool. And now it was just a man on the sidelines. He was waiting for a stirring of the water. And now it was just a voice saying, come on, will you be made whole? I, I may not even be the voice that you wanted to hear tonight. But would you listen past the individual and hear the call and the Holy Ghost that's coming? Will you be made whole? Will you take the next step? Will you go to the next level? Are you going to hear the call that God is bringing in the room tonight? I wish that someone would leave with their bed in their hand. It may be a bed that nobody else even knows about. It may be uh, something that you are so connected to but it's held you back. You you don't even realize it until we begin talking about it tonight. Until the Holy Ghost begins this moving in this room and, and all of a sudden God begins to lower a veil over your spiritual man's eye and you can say uh-uh, you know what? I am living beneath my potential. I am living beneath the place that God has called me to. I'm not. I, I'm not there yet. I've got, I got some ways to go but I hear that call in the Holy Ghost. I, I'm not willing to to lay here. I'm not just willing to to wait in this location. I don't want to just stay in this place. I've got to go further. I've got to go deeper. There's higher places that God is calling me to. I I don't want to stay on the bottom. I I want to climb up the mountain. God, I want to see your glory tonight. I don't want to be satisfied with everybody else's experience. I, I don't want to be satisfied with someone just kind of encouraging me until we get a little full of the Holy Ghost. I want a divine interaction. I want a divine encounter. I want to supernatural move of God until I leave different than the way that I came. I want to get off the bed tonight. I want to get off the bed tonight there's something about him walking out with that bed, there was power in his testimony, he 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 looked like the man that got carried in but now he was walking on his way out, nobody saw him get in the pool all they saw was an exchange with Christ, all they saw was this encounter of this individual, he was laying down looking up, but next thing you know, he's walking out with a bed under his arm, no longer the same way that he was when he came in, why? because it was just a simple encounter, it's just a over. the bed it's on the wall it's a memorial of what was it's who he was but it's not what he is and it's not who God called him to be Amen. I'm sorry I've been in it for a little while tonight and we haven't had Sunday night for two weeks so why don't we just all pretend we got our Sunday best on and we're in Sunday night service I'll go get a tie if you want me to. If that'll help. There's another paralytic's bed in Mark chapter 2. You'll find a man born of four. They had to let go of normal and safe. This, This story appeals to me. Do the math. Just imagine this for a minute. The house is full. Jesus is inside. There's no way to get in through the door. That sounds like an opportunity. But not if you want to hang on to security and normal. Not if you want to hang on to routine and every day. Go through the motions. It's going to take stepping it up a notch. It's going to take... Get the picture... Climbing with a man on a bed that's crippled to the top of the house. Not stopping there. You're not going to be popular. You're not going to be proper. But you're going to the top of the house. And we're going to tear the roof off. And we're going to lower you down. And at that point, everybody says no. Except for a few strange People. It appeals to me in some kind of make-it-work, red-green sort of way. If they don't find you handsome, at least they can find you handy sort of way. It reminds me of Brother DeMerch's memorial service. We helped his son-in-law, Carl, get downstairs in a wheelchair on a plywood ramp with two 12-volt winches In a sort of make it happen kind of way. Sometimes you just gotta step out of normal. Sometimes you gotta shake up the routine. Sometimes you just gotta shake ourselves out of what would be the craziest thing that we could do right now and then watch the miracle happen. There's leftovers. There's leftovers in this encounter. There's an empty bed. There's a patch in the roof of a home because four men made their mind up. They would do whatever it took to get this guy to Jesus. Don't get attached to your situation. Don't get attached to your circumstance. The thing that defines you right now may just become the leftovers of the memory of the way that things used to be before you encounter Christ. The encounter may transform you in this moment. It was sin somewhere in the equation because Jesus forgave him of his sin. In Mark 2 verse 10, he said, but that, you know, you know he's the, the, the Pharisees are completely up in arms. He's just forgiven the man of his sin. He said, well, let me that you know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins because he saith to the sick of the palsy. He said, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. I, I, I included that tonight because some people are saying, well, I've just got this sin issue that I've got to take care of. I've got this problem that I need to manage. If you can get to Jesus, if you can just get to Jesus, then he can take care of the sin issue and you can leave a different way than you came. He said, take up your bed and go thy way into thine house. He said, take that bed with you. I I can just, there's all these leftovers in scripture, things that are left behind, things that are left after this exchange, this interaction, this encounter with God. The roof's going to have that permanent patch, but the man who had been defined by his bed is now going to have an empty bed to find him. He's going to be different. He's going to be reminded over and over again of what it was like before. But now. But God turned my life around. But God transformed me. But God set me on fire. But God. But God. Someone say leftovers. In John 9, there's going to be mud pies from the blind man's eyes on the side of the pool of Siloam. It's out of order. It's unconventional. But you know what? Jesus Healed the blind man. And now there's just these piles of mud beside the pool of Siloam. But there's a man that was blind. And now he sees. It's leftovers. It's, it's just, you call it collateral damage. You call it uh, extra spare parts. How many have ever put together something from Ikea and had spare parts? The job gets done. It's just the leftovers. Uh, we've, we've got a, a bucket of leftovers out in the the the. Storage closet out there, the tool closet, just stuff that, that, I don't know, I think it's still together. Spare parts. Sometimes it's just spare parts. It got us to where we needed to go, but then God said, come on, we're going to another level. We're, we're going to a new place. We're going into that, that next level. God, God wants to do that for our church family. In Luke chapter 7, it's the widow of Nain. The leftovers for her was a, a casket in the corner of her house. You say, well, that's, that's kind of odd. I, I, I can just imagine that that was still there because how would you forget that day? In Luke 7, it said it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh unto the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the the casket, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother how do you go back from a day like that you, you, that i'm sorry but the briar has got to be around somewhere there's got to be spare that that spare part it's got to be sitting around somewhere in that, either in the house, it's got to be in the shed, it's got to be in the barn, it's gonna maybe it's on the front lawn. I don't know where she put it, but somewhere because her son that was dead is now standing in front of her, the leftovers of an encounter with Christ. It's a reminder, day after day, of what God can do. I I'm wanting some of us that your situation right now it feels like an impossibility. It seems like everything has died, it's dead, it's over with. But I I just wish that God would move in this room and such a miraculous way that that by the time you leave tonight your casket's not carrying you but you're carrying it you gotta come on you got it on your back it's not it's not a a source of of defeat it's not a a source of discouragement or depression but that casket is a source of celebration it's a cause for rejoicing it's leftovers of what you used to be but you're not that person any longer no longer dead in sin but now I'm alive in Christ I don't have to be that person any longer I get to be alive someone shout love life more abundantly that's what we're talking about tonight in John 18 there's a servant with questions that the high priest can't answer his name is Malchus Malchus left over is that after his garden of Gethsemane encounter with Christ he's got an ear where there wasn't one I can just imagine in my mind's eye, Malchus, you're going to be staring at Golgotha with a hand on one side of your head. Your helmet's going to be tipped off to one side because you're not going to be able to explain the ear that you held in your hand is now back on your head. Peter lopped it off, but Christ put it back on. Just an encounter like that, you... you, I'm talking about just an encounter with Christ. I'm talking about the opportunity that presents itself. Someone, you're, you're, you're so deaf to what the Holy Ghost has been saying and speaking. You don't know how you could hear, but God wants to restore that hearing. God wants to restore that back in your life. You say, I can't hear what everybody else is here. I can't hear what you're preaching about, Pastor. I wish you'd just let Jesus put, come on, put hearing back in. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. The problem is we've just allowed the circumstance. We've we've walked away with our ear in our hand. We've walked away with our impossibility defeating us. We've walked away not willing to listen for the voice of Christ. We've just said, Well, there, that's over. It's all finished. I can't get any further than this. I, I'm saying, if you'll just get an encounter with Christ, if you come on, put. Put the ear back on. God will do that work. And what you couldn't hear through before, God can do the work in your life. Listen for the voice of the Spirit. God is speaking. Amen. I wish you'd just lift both hands for a moment. I'm almost finished, but. Come on, just lift both hands and then would you lift your voice? God hear our cry tonight. Is anybody just a little bit? Come on, someone just wants to press a little further. Someone just wants to step in. Someone just got come on, there's just a little stubborn streak in you in the spirit. Just go a little deeper for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Come on, just just press in for another minute. Something's happening in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on! Every report that we hear about, whether it's China, whether it's Malaysia, whether it's come on it, it, overseas, the miracles that are occurring in the sea, uh, in the foreign field. I, I, I'm not content with it just to happen over there. I, I want it to be happening right here. I, we need it. Our world needs an encounter with Christ. I want some leftovers to be in the room. I love- moko sotor bahai lomo ko iramandoh raba iramandore be ato sotor bahai i was moved during the Because of the time simulcast. I know that Brother Herod. He wasn't initially on the schedule to preach. But just the way that God ordained it. The Holy Ghost moved. And and as he was beginning to preach about miracles and signs and wonders that happened. And and just our ability to believe God for more. And just begin to ask him for more. I already wrote the note about that sermon thought in my phone. But it was just feeding that and I know that not all of us were here but there was just uh, testimonies about the miraculous work that God had done how that one of the young ministers that was on the crusade with brother Herod and brother Robinette when he laid hands on an individual that had no ear he said that when he moved his hand out of the way there was an ear there where one had not been And, and I know I know Right now, some of you, because you haven't heard that or didn't know that, you're grappling with the reality of that. Because it takes a minute for our faith to catch up with the fact of what God did. That's why we just sense that in the spirit. And then we begin to want to qualify the content of the conversation. We want to, but could we just believe that that happened? can we just can we just believe that when he put his hand there there was no ear and when he pulled his hand away after he prayed in Jesus name there was an ear there because we've got to start to believe that in our mind we've got to start to believe that by faith that God can do that if we're ever going to see what God would desire to do in us and through us it's not limited to the faith of the individuals on the platform I'll tell you what happens it's it's it's, it's relegated by the faith of the people in the pew it's relegated by the faith of people that are in the room and that's why why Jesus dismissed those that, that dismissed them that didn't have any belief. He said, If you don't believe, move out of the way because God's about to do the miraculous. God's about to perform the miraculous. And, and we've got to begin to step out by faith. There's going to be some leftovers in the room if we allow Christ to encounter us in the here and now, in the last days, saith God. I, I'm just looking for some believers. I'm, I'm looking for someone that heard the message and heard the preaching, but they're willing to say, All right, God, if you need somebody, then do it through me if you need someone then I'll be one I'll believe that you can do it I'll trust that you're able I'll pray the prayer but God you do the work come on there's water pots that are left on wells because of encounters with Christ God wants to turn people's lives around but we've got to be willing to believe that he's going to do it we've got to see it I remember visiting St. Joseph's Oratory 30 years ago. If you know me well, you know I have a bad memory. It's a wonderful thing sometimes. It's a horrible thing a lot of times. But 30 years ago, it was unforgettable for me. I was on a Bible college trip. We went to Montreal. And they took us to St. Joseph's Oratory. And I remember as we entered that massive facility, watching people crawl up the stairs on their knees in a dedication. But St. Joseph's Oratory is known because of mostly one individual from around 1900 until his death in 1937, the priest Andre Bessette was one of the most pop- popular and famous people in all of Quebec. His personal legend and his fanatical devotion inspired the wealthier Catholics of Montreal to finance the massive oratory's construction. And his following grew as time went along. It's even now more, in 2020, more than two million pilgrims a year visit the oratory. Many in hopes of curing their medical condition. Part of the massive flight of stairs leading to the basilica is roped off for pilgrims who ascend them on their knees, saying a prayer at each step. There's a chapel every Wednesday dedicated completely to individuals that are coming for healing of their body. Andre himself is entombed in a chamber deep beneath the church. His heart is on display in a nearby case filled with formaldehyde. Adjacent to the tomb is that chapel devoted to St. Joseph. Each has a station, different areas of patronage, the worker, the family, and so on. But here's what I remember. In between the stations, enormous racks Reach up to the ceiling, covered by hundreds and hundreds of crutches. They've been left there by pilgrims who came to the oratory, but left without any need for them anymore. The writer who titled this piece for McLean said, Miracles on the Mountain. He said the most poignant crutches are the ones that are just three or four feet tall, the flung away fetters of an injured or disabled child who was healed. That was an unforgettable thing for me because I I remember grappling with that, thinking, God, how? Why, maybe? Not because I didn't want it to happen, but because I do want it to happen. And I'm left here 30 years later on the platform, thinking about it. And the only thing that I can come to is that if God could do that in a Catholic church in Montreal because somebody believed that he could, what could he do in an apostolic church in Fredericton, New Brunswick? I wonder what would happen if we just believed that when we allow people to encounter this Christ that there's going to be something left over. There's going to be some beds that are left here because of what God did in their lives. There's going to be some... Come on, there's going to be some wheelchairs that I left in the room some crutches left on the platform i I, I want i want to see pictures of families and homes put back together because of the miracles that god could do in individuals lives I, i think it's all right i think it's all right if we just believe god for that Is that, is that all right? Can we, can we trust that God could? Will we trust that God would? I wonder if there's any believers in the room that says, God, I'm ready for it to happen. I'm believing that you can. I'm believing that you will. Ah, we need some leftovers in the room. I, I just need a believer that will say, I've just got to get you in the presence of Christ. Because if we can encounter him, anything can happen. Oh, come on we're, we're, we're getting there I wish someone would just come on put your hands together we've been talking about vision preaching about vision it's happening it's occurring it's birthing in our church but, but we need to just take that next step further we need somebody to get out of the boat there's a call that's coming and I wish someone would just walk on the water I wish someone that would just step out of the comfort zone I wish someone to just believe that God can tonight We need some leftovers of encounters with Christ. We need some leftovers in the room. Come on, we've got to cast aside our insufficiency. We've got to cast aside our idea about ourselves. It's not about you. All you've got to do is be the link that gets somebody in connection with Christ. All you've got to do is be the individual that brings someone into His presence because if we can just get in His presence, He will do the work. That's what we've got to believe God for. God, we want leftovers. Would someone just shout that? We want leftovers. We, we, want, we want water pots left on the altar. Uh, people leaving not the same way that they came. We want crutches and we want wheelchairs. We want pictures. I, I, I'd love to see us have doctor's reports that we frame and put on the walls of our office of, of the miracles that occurred in just the moments where the doctors don't have any answers. The doctors don't have a clue how it happened. The doctors don't know, but they believe something occurred. I was talking to my neighbor. I called him this past week. He, he said his wife was in the hospital. I found out from another neighbor that she wasn't well, I, I gave him a call, I said, John, I just want you to know that, that we're praying for you, and I have been, I said, I want you to know we've been praying for your wife, and, and church, I, I, I wish that you'd remember her, but he said, you know, when she went in, they didn't expect her to come out, she'd gone, and I, I don't, I, I, I want to be confidential, but they just didn't, the expectation wasn't that she would have the opportunity to get back home. And he said the doctor came in when things turned around, and he looked at her. No, and he said, "You know what's happened to you?" She we? said, "Well, we we've been praying, and and I've got it in my notes. I put it in my phone. I said, and the response was the doctor from the doctor was this. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, sir, that's debatable. That's the words that he used. Well, that's debatable." And I wrote in my phone, I said, well, let's debate it then. (laughs) Let's debate it because it's not our facts or our, our, I'll tell you what it is, it's a God that can, that's all I've got, I I, I got a God that can, and then all I got is a bunch of leftovers of miracles that have happened in lives, I'm a leftover, I don't know about you, but I'm a walking leftover of what happened when God moved into an impossible situation, when the doctor said, I'm sorry, but there's no opportunity, there's no hope, But, but Jack and Cheyenne are still alive in 2020, why, because I'm a leftover of an encounter with Christ, it was just a simple prayer that my dad prayed, didn't know how to pray didn't have all the verses memorized didn't have a prayer guide by, by a step-by-step guide but all he had was a belief that God could that's all he that's all he knew he just had this understanding so I'm a leftover if you need something to debate here it is 180 some pounds doing very well eat good every day except on the Daniel fast But if you want to debate it, let's debate it. God... Can. That's all I know. So if you want to debate it, why don't we have a debate? Here's living, walking, breathing proof in 2020 that God can when the doctor said he couldn't. And the only thing, the only thing that made a difference that we can point to, it wasn't an incubator, it wasn't a medical assistant. He just walked out and said, I'm sorry, I can't give you any hope. But the one thing that changed was a divine encounter with Christ, a simple prayer that pulled two kids, two pounds. 14 inches into the presence of God and God did the work. That's what I know a divine encounter And now we've got 182 and a half pound left over But that is what we need We need doctrine. We need truth. We need teaching and we need preaching. We need instruction and we need discipleship. We need separation and we need holiness and we're working on all of that. But we need a divine encounter with Christ until there's just pieces left over of everything that we didn't need in our life. Everything, the security blankets that have been holding us up and propping us up for this long, God's saying you don't need it any longer. You don't need that emotional, you don't need that natural thing. You need a supernatural encounter. I'm finished, I guess. We need those leftovers. The only thing I wrote down was we need Peter's to get out of the boat, but I already preached it. We need Zacchaeus' to come out of the tree. We need disciples to throw down fishing nets and hear the voice of the one calling. Come on, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Why? Because he knew if we can just get humanity in connection with me, if we can just have an encounter, the boats are going to be left at the seashore. The nets are going to erode away. The fish may still be swimming in the sea, but there's going to be an apostolic Acts chapter 2 church birth if somebody is just willing to follow him and encounter him. I I just want to be a part of that. I want to be part of what happened in Acts 2, but I also want to be a part of what God's doing in 2020. I want to be a part of what Joel promised in 2.28. That's just what we need. Could you stand together with me tonight? God's still doing it. God's still working. Miracles are still happening. The word still has authority and power. All God needs is somebody to pull the pieces of those puzzles together so we can have a divine encounter with Christ. I'm going to ask pastor to come and pray. But I wish you'd just find, I know, never mind, it's flu season, everybody freaks out. You know what? Put your own hand on your own head. That may be better anyway. Go ahead. We're going to just pray that God will help us see beyond the natural into that supernatural place that he's bringing us to. Anybody just, anybody just want to leave behind everything you don't need tonight? Everybody, anybody just want to leave behind all the, the things that, have, that you, you thought were so necessary but you didn't need it all? You wish God God would just purify and cleanse and wash and come on, just clean out all the garbage in your life, all the mindsets that hold you back, all the, all the, all the fear that's restricting you, all the doubt that's, that's just, come on, it's minimized your walk and your purpose and your plan with God. You just, you just need to leave all that behind. I I just want to leave it all. I just want to, want it to be left over. I want, I want all the things that we, they reminded us of our crippling experiences and our, our moments of inadequacy and failure. I, I just want to leave all that behind and let's move into a brand new place with God. Can we do that tonight?